0: Well, I'm so glad we are in chapter 8, because I don't know if you remember chapter 6. We finally get to chapter 6, and we have Jericho, and I mean, it's exciting. They do nothing but walk around until the Lord allows the walls to fall down, and then they go in, and then they plunder everything, but they give it to the Lord. Everybody but one person. And that's what happens in chapter 7. Chapter 7, we find out this one person has uh, not... Not followed the lord's command, and I forgot to dismiss the kids that were here, so you can go ahead and go so sorry about that um, so uh, chapter seven, we have that, and then we get to chapter eight, so you had a you had victory and celebration, then you had a time of mourning, and the, so the Lord used that time for correction and rebuke, and we do not like it when parents correct, and rebuke, right? If you remember back to your childhood, you did not like that at all, you know? But then we get to chapter 8, and it says, and it didn't go, Dad, burn it. There. Chapter 8. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this chapter is already starting out better than chapter 7, because chapter 7 started out with what? But, you know, the word... And saying that they did wrong. But chapter 8. Then the Lord said to Joshua. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you. And go up and attack Ai. For I have delivered it into your hands. The king of Ai. His people. His city and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king. As you did to Jericho and its king. Except that you may carry off the plunder and livestock. For yourselves. Set an ambush behind the city. So the Lord's even given directions on how to attack them. So, you know, Joshua's been a very, you know, gone through a very tough time at this point as a believer in the real God, but also as a a leader. He has been shaken to the very core of who he is, Disappointed in what just happened where, where Achan uh, had stolen a whole bunch of stuff that was supposed to go to the Lord, to the Lord um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of gold and silver and even a, a beautiful dress for his wife that she would not wear anywhere because Israel's not doing anything like that at this point where they're dressing up. They don't have those type of clothes and everything. Uh, and, and knowing that there was sin in the camp and now, you know, having to deal with that, now he's reconnecting with God they should have won the battle the first time they went up to Ai but 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 he he's like it's my fault we didn't because I didn't seek the Lord and the Lord disciplined them and he's ready to move on and God is ready to use Joshua again and we're going to talk about this uh, second chances here in a second because it is so important for us to to remember that God gives second chances and sometimes third fourth fifth Sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, you know, it keeps going. But God gives us chances. He gave, he gave the, the, the people who were in the promised land 400 years worth of chances to come back to Him or to come to Him, and they didn't. So they should have won the battle, and Joshua's going, It's my fault. And Joshua presumed that he did not need to pray about taking AI or I, however you want to pronounce it, and, and the, the sin caused 36 men's lives. That could have been prevented. Joshua is a veteran at war. And as a leader, he has sifted through the advice that he's been getting. But at that point, the Lord lifted his blessing off of him, and he went up into the desert. And what happened? Uh, You know, the defeat happened. The Lord said, You presumed, you jumped ahead, you got out in front of me, and you should have come to me. Like, you know, Proverbs 3 5 says, It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. See, the battle's within us. It's not this external battle that we're always talking about and thinking about. The battle truly is within us. Secondly, they committed the sin of of self-confidence. And boy, do we have this problem today, don't we? Oh man. But Pastor, I paid a lot of money to, to, you know, for that course about self-confidence. I finally got mine. Don't tell me that was a sin. Well, I'm not saying it's a sin, but the reality is this. When we read our Bibles and we start to learn that self-confidence doesn't come from self, it comes from the Lord. Self is not a good place to draw that self-confidence from. Our self, you know, our attitudes, our actions, our self does what? Up and down. Up and down, depending on the external factors that are happening in our lives, correct? Correct? Or am I wrong? Yeah. We need to stop going to the well of self-confidence. We need to go to the well of God-confidence. The Bible says my help comes from where? The Lord. Plain and simple. God confidence is what we need. This is where we find it in his word. We don't have to worry about who we are. We don't have to worry about how we've grown up and all these things or, or how we feel today because our confidence is built upon a solid foundation and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is God himself is our foundation. See, the well of self does not give you a, a one out of 10 average. But when we dip into the power of the Holy Spirit, when we search him out, the abundant life that comes through Jesus Christ, he came to give us that. We do not have to fail as much as we think we have to fail. We have this idea that we have to struggle through life on every little thing. You know, every one of our failures has, has really self-attached to it. We need to leave ourself in the dust we need to enter into God, enter into walking by the Spirit and through the Spirit in our lives and following the Spirit. You know, we think we're doing really good by checking in on a weekly basis, you know? Some people are like, man, I, I haven't missed church for months, even with COVID. I've been there online and, and all that. And, and, but, but when the Spirit gets involved in our lives, all of a sudden we're wanting more than just Sunday. There's this feeling of, of, of wanting from God, wanting from his spirit. Joshua learned a valuable lesson about God' confidence in this whole mess. And his confidence now is so low that God's going to have to build him back up. And he says to him, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack I. But Lord, we just did that. We just tried that. It was really bad. I mean, 36 guys lost their life, and the Lord is like, yes, Joshua, we've covered that already. It's time to move on. You see, one of our problems is this. We do something wrong. We know it's wrong. We willfully have sinned against God, and when we finally come around to it and we go, okay, Lord, you're you're right. I'm agreeing with you. That was wrong. We like to do, is my... Okay, my, my older one's out there and I got to be careful cuz he just this past week he started asking, "Can I listen to your sermons on podcasts? And I'm thinking, "Dad, burn it." There goes all my examples for the older kid. You know what I mean? Cuz if he starts listening, he's going to be like, "Dad, you got to stop talking about me," you know? But, you know, he he's very hard on himself. He likes to be he likes to do what is right. He likes to do those things. Well, he will start beating himself up when he does something wrong. You know what I'm saying? It's so like the guys with the whips. Okay, he doesn't get out a whip and beat himself, but it's kind of mentally he does that. He's just like, oh. And that's, why, well, that's what we do. We do something wrong with the Lord, and the Lord says, I'm glad you recognize that, Alan. Now ask for forgiveness and, and so forth, and now let's move on. But the problem is me, you, we like to stay right there. Oh, man, I, I, oh. And we like to wallow in that wrongness, and the Lord's like, we've already dealt with that. Let's move on. And I'm trying to teach my kids this, and they don't always get it, but I get after them about something, doing something wrong around the house. And then I'm like, okay, now we're, we're done. We're over it. And they're still upset. They're thinking I'm upset. And I'm like, I'm, I'm over it. We, let's move on. And that's what Joshua's having to do. Joshua's going, well, you know, should you pick somebody else? And the Lord says, I haven't decided to pick anyone else. I choose you. I've chosen you. See, the Lord is all about second chances. We see this throughout Scripture from Adam and Eve to the Apostle John, who writes Revelations, and anyone in between. It's hard to find somebody that the Lord doesn't give a second chance to. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's Samuel. You know, in the Bible, uh, nothing negative is really written about Samuel. He doesn't really blow it. Well, that's a good thing. Or there's Jesus' mom. We don't see her mess up big time, you know. But I'm sure throughout her life somewhere she did, and the Lord forgave her. But for the most part, we're stuck with people like Adam and Eve. I mean, they messed up big time, right? We can blame it all on them. And there's Moses and Abraham and Jacob and David and Israel. I mean, I could just keep going. Let's go to the New Testament. You know, Peter, James, and John, you got the sons of thunder. You know, God, you know, Jesus, should we just call down fire from, from heaven and you know, just, just take care of those evil people? You know, why give them a second chance? And Jesus is kind of looking at them, just going, yeah, I should not give them a, chicken, a second chance. Isn't that right, Peter? You know, you're standing right here. You didn't pep up and say anything. See, God gives second chances. Isn't God a great God? Is there anyone here that hasn't been given a second chance? <laughs> what is interesting is that God doesn't always automatically give the second chance. You know, we like that commercial. You know that, that commercial? I think it's um, Staples. The easy button. Is it Staples? Somebody. I know it was a few years ago, but come on, you know? You know, something happens, we just, oh, easy button, boom, okay, whoo, You know, that's how some people act. You, you get the opposite of, of Brandon and some people that are just so hard on themselves. The other people are just like, oh, God can forgive us. Okay, boom, done, you know? And God's like, wait a second. We act like it's no big deal that we sin. See, now, our participation in grace is tough, our participation in grace is messy. God is all about second chances. God is all about forgiveness, but it's tough when it's somebody else that has wronged somebody you love. Would you give them a second chance? Some of us go, "Yeah." But then a lot of times it depends on how close the relationship is, and how much they've hurt somebody, what they've done. See, grace is messy. For individuals, it's hard to confess. I mean, no no matter what religious things have taught you in the past about confession, you were probably taught wrong. You know, I was. Started playing games with God. Sin, sorry. Sin, sorry. Sin, sorry. You know, I tell my son all the time, I don't care about the word sorry. I get it that you're sorry. What I want to see is change in action. You know, sorry is just a word. But we do that to to God all the time. Confess means to say with. Confess means with, or con means with, and and fess means say, to say with. And who are we saying it with to? God. We're admitting that he knows. God comes to us and says, there's sin in your life. We're like, no, we're not. No, it's not. That's not confessing. There's sin in your life. Well, yeah, I know, but so-and-so caused it. (laughs) That's not confessing. There is sin in your life. Everybody else is doing it. That's not confessing. Confessing is when God says there's sin in your life, and we say, there's sin in my life. And he says, oh, Okay, that's, that's confession. That's good. Now ask for forgiveness so we can move forward. Confess, we say the same thing about what is really going on. And confession, and with confession comes repentance. means I'm going you know, going in, a, in one direction, and then I make a U-turn, and I need to go in the other direction because of what's been going on. Everybody sees that U-turn. See, repent is not about being sorry. Repent is an action that doesn't allow the, the, the action to continue anymore, doesn't allow the compromise to continue. I say with God, this is the wrong path. You know, if, ever, if anyone's ever told you that living the Christian life is easy, they really lied to you. And sometimes we kind of feel alone or lonely on this path of repentance. And you, you see, it's not about going to the pastor. It's not about going to a priest. It's not about confessing and, and, and giving, you know, you're given some penance so you start to feel better about whatever happened. It's not about paying a fine. God says, that, you know, it does not work that way. The fine has already been paid on the cross itself. But you have to agree to certain things. Lord, I'm a sinner. I need to make a U-turn. I have to make the choice to do right instead of wrong. Now, another fascinating thing that the Lord does with Joshua here is that he has him take some steps. Did you notice this? Joshua still has to go out there and lead and deal with his sin. Everyone in Israel at this point in time believes in the concept of of capital punishment. You know, we think it's tough when we have to discipline somebody. Maybe you're a boss. You think it's tough when you have to fire somebody? I mean, capital punishment. And as a leader to have to deal with it when it's not even his sin, but he has to deal with the consequences. And afterward, and that was chapter 7 where they literally took Achan out and they stoned him and his family for what he had done. And afterward, the Lord makes it very clear. You know the blessing that I took off of you because of those actions? Now I'm going to put it right back on you. Some of us would think, man, this just seems so fickle of the Lord. And I would say, actually, it's not. I would say it would stay on you. This blessing of the Lord would stay on you if you continue to walk in his ways. See, the blessing of God oftentimes is dependent on us because God is not going to let you think that he will continue to bless sinful acts. See, I, I, you know, I oftentimes I hear people saying, oh, bless me, bless me, the Lord blesses me, the Lord, and I'm sitting there going, yeah, but those actions right there, that, that, that doesn't dictate a blessing He wants to bless us. How do I know that? Well, I read it all over the scriptures. I've experienced it in my own life. We're out of the blue. God just gives you a, this huge blessing that you weren't expecting. You're sitting there going, the only way this worked out is from God. And I've talked about my uh, adoption many times and, and the, the things with our first son. I mean, God blessed us twice. Twice. And I'm not going to go through all that today because it would take too long, and some of you would be like, I've heard the story like 800 times, Alan. But if you ever want to hear the story, come talk to me. I'd love to talk about it. I've experienced God's blessing in multiple ways. But the, uh, I've also noticed the only thing that prevents the blessing of the Lord is my continued disobedience of the Lord's directions. And then he tells me outright, Now that we've taken care of that, when we confess, when we go to the Lord, now that we've taken care of that, my blessing goes back on you. He says, don't be afraid. It's time to take I. Don't be afraid, he says. Do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack I. Joshua has been hearing this statement for over 40 years, if you remember Moses in Deuteronomy looks at Joshua as one of the 12 spies and tells him go into the land and he says what? Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. The end of Deuteronomy, Moses says, you know, uh, I'm going to climb the mountains and I'm going to die and you are going to be in charge. Don't be afraid. In the beginning of of the book of Joshua, God tells Joshua, don't be afraid. And now God tells him again, don't be afraid. Even Israel gets into the act and, and tells Joshua not to be afraid. Why is that? Well, apparently Joshua struggles with fear. And the Lord also says, don't get discouraged about this. This means don't get all broken into pieces. Don't break down on the side of the road here. He breaks us down, and then God uses us. He goes, let's go to AI, and, and let's take it. You know, fear is an interesting thing. It's a good short-term motivation, you know, motivator, whatever you want to say there. But it's not a long-term thing. It's not good for long-term. In, in, in fact, fears oftentimes will get us to God, But as a long-term motivator, motivator, we don't really follow God if it was all about fear in the beginning. Paul writes to Timothy, We have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. See, God wants faith, not fear. And Joshua is kind of sorting through that as he lives his life. Let's get back to, uh, to I. It says, you know, what do you mean we need to go back? I can imagine Joshua thinking, you know, we failed there. Can't we go somewhere else first? And, and one thing that I found out is that, that I have to conquer certain things before God gives me more to do. In fact, I find it often when people come to me and say, Pastor Allen, I can't hear God's voice anymore. I, I don't hear God talking to me at all. You know, my first question is, are you in his word? Do you talk to him? And then really my point gets back to when's the last time you heard his voice? Did he tell you to do something? And did you do that? Because if you didn't do it, maybe God's sitting there going, I'm waiting for you to do that. And then we'll move forward. And people are like, well, I don't know. That would involve a huge step of faith. Well, good. Time for a huge step of faith in your life. See, our communication with God works the same way it does with each other. Just because you tell me something doesn't mean I agree with it and that I'm going to do it. You have to get a response. A discussion goes both ways. Not just, well, I said it, so it's going to be that way. We agreed just because because you said it doesn't mean that we agreed, okay? My five-year-old does this all the time. I told you, therefore, we agree. And it's like, no, 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 come back here. And I'm like, you need to, you know, no, wait a second. What did mama say? What did I say? Okay, are they the same? Well, then no, you don't get to do that just because you want to do that, just because you went to the other parent. You know, I expect that from a five-year-old. He's learning, right? I don't expect him to act like a 35-year-old. Unfortunately, I find 35-year-olds acting like a five-year-old sometimes. And it's unfortunate. And you want to say, grow up. Stop acting like a five-year-old. The Lord says to Joshua, go back to I, and he does it. Now, a word of caution. Just because Joshua does this does not mean that this is a formula to always follow. Well, I guess i got to go back and fight that battle over and over and over until I get it Right? No, you only go back and fight that battle if the Lord tells you to go back and fight that battle. He may have never wanted you to enter into that battle to begin with. This is not a formula. What's important is that we check with the Lord. The Lord may not want you to go back into that ungodly friendship or ungodly place. Well, I'm just trying to save them, Lord. (laughs) And he's like... And really, uh, you're just going down the wrong road. See, if you get right with God, then a conduit of information, the relationship is very clear, and you know what he wants you to do. And you know what? Most of the time, it surprises people. Most of us are saying, okay, Lord, What's your big plan for my life? I mean, you use people and, and you, huge people like Moses or Peter or or David or Paul or Esther or Deborah. You know, uh, so so what do you have for me, Lord? Let me get prepared. And Lord's like, wait a second. My answer for you is this: Walk the way I walked. Talk the way I talked. Love the way I loved. See, we think it's this big, huge, grand plan that, that, you know, if we follow the Lord, we have to go on the Philippines mission trip because, you know, that's what that's what good Christians do. And it's like, no, you only go on the Philippines mission trip if the Lord calls you to do something like that. The Lord may just want you to live a godly life in the position that you're in in life right now. Raise your children well. Who knows? You may be raising the next Paul or Peter or John. So do it well. One more thing I want to point out here is Joshua has to take another step of faith. I mean, he took one at Jericho, and his name will, will forever be attached to Jericho, right? We think of Jericho, we think of Joshua walking around the walls. I can imagine Joshua thinking, I don't want to run it by adding this, you know, know no-nothing town that we should have defeated once. And I mean, AI, can we just skip it? I mean, I already did the faith thing. And God's like, no. Joshua has to continue to step out in faith his whole life. Kind of a clue for us. See, I want to know that you're walking in faith now. Not what you did five years ago, not what you did 10 or 15 or or 30 or 50 years ago. You need to be walking by faith now. And if you're not willing to step out on faith, you know, in a sense, like like Peter into the water, if you're not willing to step out of the boat, uh, you know, or onto the water that doesn't look like it can hold me, I don't know if I'll be able to survive that, then we're going to miss out on the fun of following the Lord. The Lord continually surprises me in these things goes on in verse 3. So Joshua and the whole army moved out to attack Ai. He he chose 30,000 of his best fighting men and sent them out at night with these orders. Listen carefully. You are to set an ambush behind the city. Don't go very far from it. All of you be on alert. I and all those with me will advance on the city. And when the men come out against us, as they did before, we will flee from them. Ah, he's being a little ornery here, right? Little strategy here. They will pursue us until we have lured them away from the city. For they will say they are running away from us as they did before. So when we flee from them, you are to rise up from ambush and take the city. The Lord your God will give give it uh, into your hand. When you have taken the city, set it on fire. Do what the Lord has commanded. See to it you have my orders. Then Joshua sent them off. And they went to the place of ambush and lay in wait between Bethel and Ai to the west of Ai because Joshua spent the night or but Joshua spent the night with the people. Verse 10, early in the morning Joshua mustered his men and him and the leaders of Israel marched before them to Ai. So Joshua here, he's right in the middle of the action. You see, David's sin was his army was out fighting and David stayed back, which led to sin. What's Joshua doing here? Joshua's staying right in the middle of them. This is good. He's not back at camp. Guys, we're going to do this right this time. We're going to trust the Lord. Verse 11, it says the entire force that was with him marched up and approached the city and arrived in front of it. They set, out, uh, they set up camp north of I in the valley between them and the city. Joshua had taken about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and I to the west of the city. They had the soldiers take up positions, all those in the camp to the, to the north of the city and to, uh, in the ambush to the west of it. That night Joshua went to the valley. When the king of Ai saw this, he and all the men of the city hurried out early in the morning to meet Israel in battle at a certain place overlooking Arba. But he did not know that the ambush had been set up against him behind the city. Verse 16, uh, 15, Then Joshua and all Israel led uh, let themselves be driven back before them, and they fled toward the desert. And they're kind of on a on a plane now. They're out to, in an open area. They're out of the stronghold area. They're out of cover. Verse 16, And all the men of Ai were called to pursue them, and they pursued Joshua and were lured, lured away from the city. Not a man remained in Ai or Bethel who did not go after Israel actually they're going to win two cities out of this. It's a 2 for 1, you know what I'm saying? They left the city open and went in pursuit of Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, "Hold out toward I the javelin that is in your hand, for the Lord uh, for into your hand I will deliver the city." So Joshua held out the javelin toward I. As soon as he did this, the men in the ambush rose quickly from their position and rushed forward. They entered the city and captured it quickly and set it on fire. The men of Ai looked back and saw the smoke of the city rising against the sky. And they're thinking, we're idiots. But they had no chance to escape in any direction. For the Israelites, who had been fleeing toward the desert, had turned back against their pursuers. For when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and the smoke was going up from the city, they turned around and attacked the men of Ai. Verse 22, the men, of the, uh, the men of the ambush also came out of the city against them, so that they were caught in the middle with Israelites on both sides. Israel cut them down, leaving them neither survivors nor fugitives, but they took the king of Ai alive and brought him to Joshua. See, the battle's so different than the battle of Jericho that they'd already fought. There's no walls that are going to be crumbling down, no miracles. Joshua was, uh, you know, our Jericho was such a miracle, but this one, this one, they just, it's a well-executed plan. Everyone doing what they're supposed to be doing, not depending on, on personality, uh, or, or, or really what I'm trying to say is, depending on your personality, we either prefer Jericho type of uh, battle, or we prefer I type of battle, A-I, or however you pronounce it. We either prefer the disorganized, just march and watch what happens. And we're like, March? What do you? Okay, March. You know, we're just like, how many times are we going to have to do this? Or we completely love the, the okay, here's the plan. This is what you're going to do. You're going to hide here. You're going to do this. What is interesting is that God wants to work in both ways. In fact, not just in two ways. God works in a bunch of ways. And this is a cool application uh, here uh, for us. You know, how, you know, my mind started thinking how churches are all different, but they love Jesus. You know, just doing ministry different, and, and some churches marching around walls and, and tooting their horns and all that kind of stuff, and other churches, uh, you know, meticulously planning every little thing out, very quiet, laying in, you know, an ambush in a sense, and the Lord said to me and said, Alan, that's not a good application of this at all. You're totally missing it. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm missing it, Lord? It fits perfectly. And he says, no, it doesn't. You're not talking about different groups of people here. I'm showing you the same people that defeated Jericho that are going to f- defeat I. The same people, not different groups. Over there, I had them march around a wall. Here, I had them plan everything meticulously and get organized and everything. And it's okay because they're following me. They were following God instead of a little formula. We like our little formulas. We like to, to, okay, this is how it works. I've been doing it like this for 37 years. This is how it works. we see so many churches stuck in certain ways of how to do things because they won one battle. One battle. See, but the Lord wants us to win all the battles. Everywhere we go. And he changes it so we don't produce a formula. Because when we produce a formula, we turn it into an idol. And God hates idols because they're bad for us. We go and pray into, into our formulas and, and how to do certain things, and this is how you do a small group. This is how you do Sunday school. I've been teaching it for years. This, this is how you do it. Well, if you haven't realized, this generation is a little different from the last generation. So, we may have to change how we do things for the next generation. It doesn't mean we tear down the foundation. It doesn't mean we take a th- the things of God away. We leave the things of God in there. We may just do them a little differently. But God has to be the foundation, the central part of that. And God is saying, How about you just follow me? How about your public life and your private life look the same? How about some holiness within your life and some conversation about the good things of your life and the negative things about your life and how I can fix those things? And then I can tell you the next thing to do. I'll give you instructions about the next battle. During the battle, you you mean you're not going to tell me everything right now? And God's like, no, no, we'll get to that kind of stuff. You see, some battles will see the priest in on the meeting beforehand. Some battles, the priests won't be there, and the warriors will be in on the meeting. And some of us are like, I can't handle this disorganization. You have to do it a certain way. I want more information before I can get involved. What's your one-year plan? Well, think about 2019. A year ago, the first Sunday in November. Could you have ever imagined what we're going through right now? But people are like, oh, you need your one-year plan, your five-year plan, your ten-year plan. And God's like, your plan is to follow me. That's what your plan needs to be. I have one plan here for, for Valley Christian Church, and it's trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on, on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. We have another plan. Walk by might, or not by might. <laughs> Don't walk by might. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Some people are like, it can't be that easy. Give me a break. Let me get behind the scenes and see how it really is. We're really, we really, we like to keep it simple worship and the Word. Let's teach the young ones along the way. Worship and the Word. We're going to keep things simple. If our leadership and those who who lead in just the big areas and little areas would just stay on a path of righteousness, all the way down to those who take care of the little guys, infants, then we would see miracles like we wouldn't even believe. Those of you that that are called to organize, step up and organize because we need certain areas to organize to accomplish the goal the, the Lord has for us. But we also can't let you know, that get in the way of the spontaneity of the, of the Holy Spirit, going, this time we're going to do it this way. Well, we didn't plan it that way. Well, that's just how life is. Sometimes things change. Oh, but the person in charge will get upset. No, no, not if God is in it. See, God wants us to use our gifts to do great things. And some of us, we like to hold back, either because we're too busy or we don't trust God. I'm not telling you to trust me. I'm telling you to trust the Lord. Because if God is going to do work, he's got to do it in all of us to accomplish his goal. He's going to show us some victory. He's going to call us to some things that that we feel that are kind of beyond ourselves. And it can actually be a lot of fun. And I'm wrapping up here. I know we're kind of gone late here. But, you know, I plan on, I, I plan on having as much fun between now and when I go to heaven. You know what I'm saying? That's why when I go on vacation, I go on vacation. I'm like, yeah, there's a certain amount of Sundays I try to not be gone or whatever. But, but at the same time, I'm going to go on a vacation. You know what I'm saying? I want to have fun in my life. Sometimes we look at ministry as a burden, or church as a burden, or, or dealing with the negatives. But you know what? makes it fun for me is when I see the Holy Spirit connecting with individuals. When I slow, you know, when, when I slowly or immediately see a life change before my eyes, and something click in somebody's mind. When I see a young person, or, or even a you know elementary, even younger one, uh, you know, growing up under under godly parents. Now I don't say perfect parents because none of us are but those that walk in God's ways. When I see somebody say, God, you want me to go back where? I lost that battle the first time. And God goes, yeah, but I'm with you this time. And they say, okay, I'll do that. that those are the things that make this job a joy. When I get an email saying, I am struggling with this, but I am trusting the Lord on this. I love it when I see somebody almost lose their drink because they're enjoying the teaching of God's Word and I say something totally off the wall. I see all the movements, you know what I'm saying? And every so often somebody will actually listen to what I have to say and they will laugh at one of my jokes and they'll almost lose their drink. I get joy out of that. I'm joyful when I see a teenager sulking because mom and dad has disciplined them because one day they will understand... You just have to continue to do your job in raising them. When I see people that normally would, would never have connected talking about Jesus or just having a nice conversation because Jesus is their foundation, that's where I get my joy from. When we make fun of each other in a good-natured way, not trying to tear each other down, but we're just laughing and, and joking around. All this this is joy for me because I know that it revolves around the one true God that loves us so much that his son willingly went to the cross to die for us. He died for the ugly things in your life and the ugly things in my life, so I get to spend eternity with him. That's the encouragement. That's the great thing. And Joshua experienced the same things because he was around imperfect people who willingly served the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you stand as we pray, as the worship team comes up and finishes our last song? Lord, we are we're imperfect people. We are people who sometimes mess up. Oftentimes we don't know how to get back on the road until we come to you and you show us. I pray, Lord, for those that are struggling with with something, that you would be there in the midst to show them their their ways that are wrong and put them back on the path toward righteousness. I pray, Lord, for, for those that are watching others struggle, that they would be an encouragement to them. That we know we might have lost the battle last time, but with you involved, Lord, we can win this battle. And we can enjoy life as we come along these, these things. As we deal with them. Lord, we're so thankful that you are here for us. That we're not alone. Sometimes we feel alone, Lord, but, but we're not. You're there. And we love you for that. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. And may he bless you this week.